Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the CFC 365 podcast. In today's episode, we have a bit of a special around a player that Chelsea are very close to confirming now, currently having his medical. That is, of course, Kaladu Koulibaly from Napoli. Reportedly a four or five year contract with a price being 40 million euros. So that's around 33 million pounds. Um, and yeah, really, really good player, obviously. Joining me today to give us an expert analysis on Koulibaly is Marco Messina, hopefully I've got that right, uh, the lead Serie A analysis on CBS Sports and the founder of IFTV Official. Thanks so much for joining me this afternoon, Marco. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, you got my name perfect. It's much better than all of my teachers my entire life over here in New York. So thank you for having me, man. Yeah, fantastic. I was hoping I was going to get that right. So, um, yeah, we've got, we've got a lot of topics to go into. I, I guess we'll get started off straight away. The first one, um, just sort of your initial reaction on the deal with the price, because it, it moved very, very fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll be honest with you. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Serie A fan. That's the, the league that I love the most. It's the league that I grew up with. So I was very sad to see Koulibaly leave Napoli and to leave the Serie A in general just because he's been one of those players that no matter what team you supported in Italy, you loved him. You just love to watch him because he's one of those great players and also good guys off the pitch that everyone seems to love. So I was sad that he's leaving, but um, I'm happy for him. And, and Chelsea's always been the team that I've, I've rooted for in England because of the Italian uh, players and coaches who have made history with them. So I am happy for him. And I think he deserves this opportunity. And I think it's a massive move for Chelsea. I'm happy for the guy because over the past couple of years, in my opinion, he's been one of the best center backs in the world. And I think this could be his chance to win some trophies and, and really put the spotlight on him to show that he's been one of the best for a while now. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, I could understand if you were sad. I mean, how many years has he been there? Is it seven or eight years at Napoli? 20, since 2014. Yeah, so that's like yeah. eight years now. It's been a long time. It's been it's a very long, long time. time. And I guess leading on to, or leading off that, your opinion on Todd Bowley's work and the market so far for Chelsea? Because for me, from a Chelsea fan's perspective, obviously he's very new. Um you know, there's a whole stereotype around American owners. I mean, mm. rightly so in some cases because, mm-hmm. you know, Man United and things like that. Then Glazers, mm-hmm. you know, that not not sort of the best road to go down, I guess. But, um, yeah, it's just your your opinion on Todd Bowley's work because, in particular, I'm impressed with this deal because, I mean, Aurelio De Laurentiis, the Napoli president, is notoriously difficult to deal with. And it just seems mm-hmm. like, you know, um, he, he met... Uh, Fali Ramadani last weekend about the, the personal terms and he seems to have wrapped up a prize so quickly and I mean I know Chelsea have had previous interest in Kula Bali I think 2020 um was was mainly yeah when... so I've been very impressed with uh with with Chelsea's market you know I'm in a bunch of group chats with my friends who support Premier League teams uh they're mostly like Liverpool and Man United and all everyone is doing is complaining about Chelsea because they're the ones that are buying all the players and making these uh, amazing deals I think for this move specifically, because, you know, that's what I understand best. It did help that Juventus was the other team that was trying to sign Koulibaly. And obviously anyone who knows a little bit about Serie A knows that Napoli and Juventus can't stand each other. There's so many instances and examples of players who have tried to go from Napoli to Juventus. You know, Iguain was the big one that everyone, you know, turned on in, in Naples. And they didn't want Koulibaly to go down that road. So he never even wanted to negotiate with Juventus and nor did Koulibaly. But I think that definitely did help. Koulibaly was at a point where he was forcing this move. Even when Napoli was coming up to him, offering him $6 million a year, he wanted to move on. He wanted a new example. And I think the idea of going to Chelsea, a team that is notorious for winning titles, going far in the Champions League, always competing, and obviously showing all this ambition off the pitch, all helped move that along. But I totally agree with you about the American ownership thing. You know, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good. We've had that same thing in Italy where, for example, Roma's owners, the freaking group, they're very quiet and silent and are working uh, hard without speaking a lot. Whereas you'll have others who have spoken a big game and then don't really back it. So there's definitely pros and cons. And it seems like Chelsea have gotten the good ones. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very good early days for Todd Bowley in the, you know, as, as a Chelsea owner, also accompanied by Bedad Ebali and Jose Feliciano from Clearlet Capital. Of course, Chelsea fans will know that. Um, yeah, Tuchel said yesterday as well in an interview that, you know, the, the relationship is very close and intense. He wants players for pre-season. So I'm very, very impressed with this deal. So, 
yeah, good answers there from you, Marco. Um, so I guess the first fan question we've got is coming from actually, oh, I'm not going to say the names, I'm just going to say the fan question. So, can can Koulibaly play right centre back in the Premier League in our back three? How do you think Koulibaly fits into the Chelsea side? Is there also ongoing talks with President Kimpembe and Nathan Ake? Also, Marco, any opinions on Kimpembe and Ake you have? Yeah, okay, yeah. So, for the for the first part, I mean. I don't remember watching Koulibaly ever play in a back three at Napoli. It was mostly a back four, unless I'm unless I'm forgetting. But for, in my opinion, when you have great players, yes, maybe they'll take a little bit to adapt if they're playing in a new formation. But great players figure it out. And great players know how to adapt themselves into new systems and into new styles. And for me, Koulibaly is one of those. And he's shown that even when he's been paired with different center back partners, and fullbacks who maybe even at times were not of the best quality. He's such a leader and he's such a silent leader that works hard in the background that he figures it out and he gets there. So, I mean, obviously I can't sit here and say, oh yeah, he's perfect in a back three because I've never seen him there. I would just be pretty confident that he's capable of figuring it out. And I'm sure that's been a conversation that's been had. And when you're such a good defender, great in one-on-ones, great physically, uh, he's got speed to his game. He's instinctive. I think that he'll be fine and, and the, you know, they won't have a problem in the back. Yeah, it's actually interesting as well you say that because obviously for Napoli, he's always played in the back four, right? So, yeah. I mean, even more comfortable if we do move to a back four. I know a lot of Chelsea sources are saying that Tuchel is recruiting with a view to that. Um, so, do you think sort of if Chelsea moved to the back four, him and Thiago Silva would, would kind of offer that ball playing ability but that sort of leadership aspect as well because I know a lot of Chelsea fans are excited by that mm -hmm. absolutely yeah he's very good on the ball as well he's he's comfortable on the ball uh you know something we've seen him blaze forward and and go up um and he's he's also sort scored some great goals he is he is absolutely a leader he is the type of player that I want on any team that um I'm supporting just because he's not a you know and, you know, sometimes you see a leader and you're like, all right, he's got to be the one that's the loudest on the pitch or he's got to be the one with the most personality or the most charismatic. And while Koulibaly, in a way, is some of those things, he's much more of that silent leader type, in my opinion, that is leads by example and leads by showing what he does uh, and lets, lets the results speak for themselves. I think him and Thiago Silva uh, will, will get along very well with each other. I think they'll complement each other. They both played, obviously, in Italy for quite some time. So maybe they'll mix in a little bit of Italian in the back line. Who knows? But uh, but yeah, I, I think it'll work out really great. And also quickly, your thoughts on the relationship already with Edouard Mendy. I think that can be a big positive as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. He's going in. That That's important. You know, I, I had said too. the the biggest, the only real concern, I'm not concerned about the player, Koulibaly, but what I will say, his connection to Napoli and to Naples was something extremely strong feeling good in a place like I know you know you don't see it on the stats but that's really an important aspect of it so he needs to feel good in in a situation he needs to feel good at Chelsea he needs to feel good in England with his teammates because he felt amazing in, in Naples it became his home you know he even referred to himself I remember one time watching an interview of his and he said I'm Senegalese I'm French and I'm Napolitan I'm from Napoli and for a guy that only went there eight years ago it's it pretty telling to the type of person that he is you know he gets embraced by a specific culture so I think that will be one of the important uh, parts to Koulibaly you know assimilating in Chelsea will be feeling good so I think Mendy, Thiago Silva all these kind of guys will be very helpful for him. Yeah I think um, Chelsea and London especially does offer that uh, I know a lot of the signings that come from abroad quickly settle in and even the ones in the Premier League like I was a little bit concerned about like Raheem Sterling who we've just signed because you know, he, he's been at Man City for such a long time. And I was like, how is he going to, you know, adapt with the new teammates? But like, even yesterday, he was hugging and smiling with Emerson Palmieri, who he's probably, I don't think he's ever played against him before. And it's like, it's just great that all the all the Chelsea teammates seem to, um, you know, bond in with the new, with the new players. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, That's I 100% agree with that. So, um, yeah, also, just quickly on uh, Presnel Kimpembe and Nathan Ake, what are your thoughts on those? Because... I mean, Chelsea are trying to sign a lot of centre-backs this summer, it seems. Yeah, so I'll be honest, you know, I, I haven't watched them the most. I'm very Serie A specific. You know, I like to talk about what what I know. Kimbepe, he's been linked to a move also to Juventus, so I had been doing, you know, I, I've watched Kimbepe a bunch. 
Um, you know, I, I don't really know. You guys know Chelsea way better than me in terms of what you need. For me, Koulibaly is is way better than both of them. And, you know, if, if I was just putting myself in your shoes, right? I said, what player would I prefer if you if you had to choose one? I think Koulibaly is, is way, way, way above uh, both of them. But, you know, they, they could work together as well. But just saying, you know, just stylistically, I think that Koulibaly's game is, is above. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm just I'm just so excited for this transfer because I've always <laughs> wanted to see him in the Premier League. And if he ever came to the Premier League, I wanted it to be Chelsea because I don't know what you think, but like as a Chelsea fan, watching them, watching us last season, like Rudiger, his leadership, his quality, mm -hmm. his tackling, like he he was just a warrior. And as soon as we got this Koulibaly links and even the fear, greed and stuff, I was like, for me, just on the outside, I know he's not even joined yet, but I can just see him being that mould, that just pure replacement, even if he doesn't play on the left side of the fence, just in terms of leadership, quality, character, tackles, mm -hmm. speed. On the, like, he's, he's literally, like for me, like Rudiger. And I think he's going to be a like-for-like -like replacement, but even probably even more aggressive than Rudiger. Like, he's a bigger build. Like, I just think he'll... I just think he's a beast. I don't know what you think. No, I actually, I agree with that. And I was able to watch Rudiger a lot, you know, when he was at Roma... Um, and for me, you know, Rudiger definitely developed over time because, you know, back when he was at Roma, you know, I was like, all right, he's a, he's a really good defender, but I didn't think he was, you know, I didn't, I didn't put him in this high regard of defenders that I thought were exceptional or, or amazing. And then obviously we know what he did at Chelsea and he became such a great player. And I liked him because I think he's a, he's a great guy. And he was always such a fun character off the pitch as well. For me, I hold Koulibaly even higher, just technique wise. And, and instinctively and, and the way that he feels the game, he's very similar in that sense. And I, I think that, yeah, that, that's, it's a great replacement. I mean, you're going from, from one great center back to one that I hold in higher regard. So I think it's a, it's a great, it's a great thing that Chelsea have done because I mean, you know, you've got to stop a problem before you have it. And, and to be able to replace Rudiger with Koulibaly is, is pretty incredible, especially because again, like I said, this is a player that I thought was never even going to leave Napoli just because of, the relationship he had with the club. Some things definitely changed this summer because Napoli's moving on. They, you know, they lost Insigne. They're most likely losing Mertens, maybe even Fabian Ruiz and now Koulibaly. So a lot of the leaders of the team are are, are leaving Naples. So Chelsea found themselves in this great opportunity and, and they grabbed it with both hands. Yeah, absolutely. Are you surprised that more clubs have not tried to take you know, advantage of his contract situation because I know a few rival fans will be like, oh, you know, he's 31, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's going to, he's kind of washed. And I'm like, what are you, what are you on about? This guy's an incredible defender still. And it's like, you know, why weren't more clubs in for him? But I remember when Chelsea signed Thiago Silva, I think Fabrizio Romano said the only club that was really interested in him, apart from obviously extending at PSG, was Fiorentina. And I was, yeah. and, and look how that turned out. So just because wow. other clubs haven't also, you know, come in for Koulibaly. It doesn't mean he, he won't be a hit, right? Absolutely not. And I mean, Barcelona wanted Koulibaly, Juventus wanted Koulibaly, uh, and Chelsea wanted Koulibaly. Those are three, you know, top destinations for, for any player. But I, I'm not concerned about his age, 31 years old. He's he's one of those that, for me, he's going to, he'll he'll be great for, for a while now because he doesn't just rely on one skill to be a great defender. He reads the game extremely well. And I think he'll develop over over that time. So, so no, yeah, you know, it doesn't really concern me. But, I mean, having Barca and Juventus as your other backup options is not too bad of a problem. Yeah, absolutely. So, for those people out there, rival fans, I know a few of you listen to this podcast. There you go. There's your answer. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think love that. Yeah, I think it'll be a hit for, for Chelsea for sure. So, the next fan question we have got for you, Marco, is... What would you say being objective is Koulibaly's best attribute and worst attribute? Because every player does have cons, of course. Mm. Mm. Okay. Best attribute for me is his 1v1. I was always very impressed when he, when he has to play in a 1v1 situation just because he, you know, he's got that speed that if someone tries to beat him, he's really good and his tackling is, is exceptional. So I would say his 1v1 is his, uh, is his best attribute, his, his con, his con. See, it's so funny. It's, it's really one of those players that I admire It's hard, so right? It's really no, hard really, to find one. It actually is. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not that type of person to, you know, just praise someone. I'm, I'm very critical over a lot. Um, you know, his con, he definitely had moments where you would expect better, where, you know, maybe his, his head dipped a little bit. 
in terms of, you know, maybe concentration or, or throughout an entire season. But then again, like, I don't know if I could put that all on him because for me, like, especially the Napoli teams that have been around him, were not always the best when he did have one of the best Napoli teams, the year that he was with uh, Maurizio Sarri and they almost took Juventus down for the Scudetto. I mean, he was so, he was perfect. He was per- there was not a flaw that I could see in his game, you know? And, and then at times, yes, maybe, maybe with the wrong players around him, the wrong system, the wrong midfield is in front of him. Um, he wasn't as good, but it, it's hard for me to say a con, honestly. Okay, I'm going to throw something at you. What about, because from the stuff that I've watched with Koulibaly, obviously he's a very good defender, but the only slight concern I have, although he does win a lot of them, is how much he slide tackles in terms of <laughs> goes to ground. I feel like he slide tackles a lot, like last ditch tackles. And obviously, I mean, it's a defender, they do that. But what we saw with Antonio Rudiger, Thiago Silva, even Trevor Chalaba, these guys, like, Rudiger used to do it a lot, like, sort of last-ditch, kind of very, not rash, but, all, like, he'd, he'd throw himself about a bit. But Tuchel and Thiago Silva, I think, kind of had that influence and took that out of his game and, and made him sort of a more polished, sort of less aggressive defender almost, or used the aggression in the right moment, sort of. But for everything I see, for Koulibaly, like, he's a, he's a, he loves a slide tackle. Do you think that he could does. be a problem in the Premier League? Uh, no, I, I don't. I mean, I think that, you know, he's done it. He's, he's not one of those people that one of those players that's like irrational, you know, he doesn't just slide tackle just to slide tackle, you know, whenever he's done it, it's because he needed to. And, and, you know, for me, the premier league is obviously the, the top league in the world. Uh, even though, you know, City has my favorite, if I just speak objectively, you know, premier league is, is the top, you know, it's where a lot of the players want to go. It's, it's a, uh, you know, very physical league, but at the same time, Serie A is like the school of defending, right? If you could defend in Serie A, if you learn from, you know, the, the coaches that are there and the culture that's there, from the defensive side, I think it's one of the, the best places to go. So when you bring that to per, the Premier League, I think it actually helps him a lot that he's developed there. You know, if we want to talk about attacking players, then maybe we could talk about, you know, the Premier League and then switching over. But when you come from that school, that, that system, that culture, in this country, I think when you go to the Premier League, I think that only helps him get to that next level. And you've seen it with with a lot of different defenders in the Premier League that have gone over from Serie A and they go to the Premier League and they actually will are able to excel to a different level. So I, I think that for sure he'll 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 be fine on that aspect. Of course, yes, maybe it, it can be a concern. And I'm sure that paired with the different partners that he'll have in in the center back roles you know, he'll be able to adapt his game. But I, I've never seen him as an irrational slide tackler. There definitely are those guys. There's like, you know, I, I don't know if you know Demiral, but he was one of those players that every time I watch him, I'm like, all right, this guy just wants to slide tackle because he loves slide tackling, not because he always needs to. Yeah, we. I think he's the Juventus guy, right? I think Chelsea were interested in him a little, a couple of years ago, I think, but never came to fruition. But yeah, glad to have that cleared up. So I know a few Chelsea fans are asking about that. And that was one of my concerns as well. But I guess we'll see. I think... To your point there as well, like you mentioned with the partners around him, I do think Thiago Silva just, he has that such calming influence. Like, it, you know, I'm, I'm a season ticket holder at Chelsea, so I've I've watched it firsthand. I can see Thiago Silva, like, he calms everyone down in moments of madness or, you know, when Rudiger was being too aggressive, he would, like, put his hand out and just, you know, like, calm down. Like, you know, don't slide tackle as much. Don't be too aggressive. So I feel like he can have that influence on Koulibaly as well if he does, you know, be a bit too aggressive at times but yeah controlled aggression I guess is the best word so again another fan question we have here is Marco what would you say is an underrated attribute that people might ignore okay I I have this one this is this is my favorite attribute of his the guy has like zero ego and I know that's not you know something that again you'll see on like the stats or it's not you know something that that you know is normal to to say but he has no problems in locker rooms. Like that's, I, again, I know it's a weird quality for me to throw out there, but it's my favorite thing about him. Like any coach that works with him says that he like becomes their son. Like Spalletti was talking about him leaving and he's like, I'm so sad that, that Koulibaly is going, you know, he was going to be who I wanted to be the captain of my team, but I respect it, but I'm okay with him going because he's such a good guy. Like that's, that's so important for a top player and we know there's definitely times where, you know, you get a player who on the pitch is unbelievable. He's such a good player, but then maybe can't gel in a locker room. He can't get along with his teammates. 
maybe has an ego about that he's better than everyone else. Koulibaly doesn't have that. It's such a unique thing, and and it's it's my favorite part of him. He's so humble. He's he's so um, loving, and he becomes an instant fan favorite because he's a guy again, like I said, works hard in silence and then proves it on the pitch. So that that will be my favorite part about Koulibaly. That's music to my ears because, as you know, Chelsea fans and Chelsea in general as a club have had to do with a certain Romelu Lukaku who has just come back to <laughs> Serie A. So, oh you know gosh. what? This is a Koulibaly podcast, but your thoughts on the whole Lukaku situation that happened what to Chelsea mess. and him back? What Talking about mess. egos, man. I mean, geez. What a that, mess. There, was, there was reports, you know, very reliable Chelsea sources, inside club sources saying that some of the Chelsea players were not liking him on the training ground saying, you know, I'm going to tell you how to shoot. I'm going to, like, this is how, you know, I score goals and stuff like that. Some Chelsea uh, players supposedly talked to these sources and said, look, you know, Lukaku, he, he, we got the impression that he kind of feels like he's better than everyone else. So for you to talk about Koulibaly in the opposite light is just music to my ears. What are your whole thoughts on Lukaku? Nah, you you're not you're not gonna be getting uh you're not gonna be getting that kind of drama. What what a mess that Lukaku situation. Honestly, it was like I was like embarrassed for him and and for the team at, at one point when he did that interview with Sky Italia. Uh, what was it in like the middle of the season? And he started saying those things. I, I mean, it, it was it was a uh, I don't know if you curse over here, so I'm not gonna curse, but uh, it was a disaster. You can curse like if a, you want. <laughs> I was gonna say it's a shit show. Like it was yeah. literally a shit show. I, I couldn't I couldn't believe it and and the fact that you know then he was blaming the agent oh I wanted to say goodbye and all this stuff and then you know I felt like he was going to own up to it even a little bit more listen he made a mistake he was begging to leave and and he found himself in a bad situation but no that is like not not who uh Koulibaly is at all and I think that even if he did have a problem and he has 100% had problems at Napoli where he's not been happy and even this situation like he got so like at Napoli. The first thing that was happening was he was not getting offered a contract at the same value that that he was worth. They wanted to lower his contract. I think it was like they wanted to half his contract. He never came out in the media. He never said a thing. He always kept it silent because he respected the Napoli fans. And and even if he didn't get along with the ownership or or De Laurentiis, who's the owner of Napoli, he would never go out and say anything like that just because he's not that character. He's not that style of person. So. Even if he did have a problem, you wouldn't be hearing him go on an interview and, and go say it in the middle of the season. He, he's not that kind. Mm, fantastic to hear. And I know Tuchel will love that sort of character in his squad. And I know, obviously, clubs do do background checks on those sort of things in terms of personality and stuff. But, you know, you do get the odd one wrong, which <laughs> was seen with seemingly we did with Lukaku. So the next question we have for you, Marco, is what is his injury record like? Koulibaly, that is, obviously. Um, you know what? That that's something I gotta I gotta find. I gotta search up. I don't remember him being too injured. Um, you know, I felt like he was always playing games, but obviously I could be wrong. He was definitely injured, uh, you know, a couple of times. Um, but he's not. He was not one of those players that I feel like always in the big games. He was for the most part constantly there. But um, let me see. Let me see if I could I could search it as we go to see how many games that he's actually missed over this season, but not, nothing that like struck my mind or, or, or I saw like, all right, this guy, this guy's always out. Nothing like that. Yeah. I was, I was, I was planning to look that up as well. I mean, I usually do it for all the transfers, but I just got a, you know, a message here, obviously asking you about it. And I thought, yeah, that's a really good point actually, but I always right, so feel I, like I, I searched it up. I searched yeah. it up. It says that he missed, let's go, let's go year by year. So his first year at Napoli, 2014-2015, he missed two games. Then 2016-2017, so he didn't have any other injuries for two years. He missed three games. 2019-2020, he missed seven. And then 2020-2021, he missed four. 2021, he missed another four. 2021-22, he missed six. And two of those were coronavirus. Two of those being okay. out were, were COVID. So it's not, 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 not many games. No, no really not. Yeah. Not too bad. I think... Um, not like a recurring injury or anything like nah, that. Yeah, no no like bad muscle or breaks or tears or anything like that. So no. yeah, that, that's good to hear. So that's the answer to your question there. Um, what other questions have we got? We've got a lot of questions. Okay, this one's a good one. How different is he to Delict? Because this person says in his message, I'm a bit disappointed that Chelsea didn't go and put the money into Delict. Mm -hmm. So if you if you want to speak about this year, a player that's on the pitch for this season, Koulibaly is 
better than Delete. One on one for one, Kulabali is a much better defender. If you want to speak about resell value and Delete being 22 years old and down the line, you know, five, six, seven years from now, who will be better investment? Then, okay, then we could talk about Delete. But if you talk about one for one this year, who's going to give you the most, the best right from the start? For me, it has to be Kulabali. And I also hold Delete in high regard. I like Delete a lot, but Kulabali is definitely a better defender. He makes fewer mistakes and he just integrates into a team a little bit better and is not as reliant, I think, on the player that surrounds him as much as Delete is because he's still a young kid. It's normal for defenders to, to make mistakes, you know, 22 years old, in my opinion, you know, it's still young for a defender. And he has shown, you know, signs of mistakes, of, of doing things that are probably, uh, as he gets older, you won't see that. So Bakulabali is definitely much better right now. Yeah, I do agree with that from what I've seen. I think he's he's much better right now. More experienced, obviously, as well. I think the main attraction for me with Delic was kind of what we're getting in Koulibaly as well, that leadership aspect. But with Delic, it's obviously at a young age. I mean, he, he captained Ajax at 19, I think, in the UCL mm-hmm. semi-final. So that was a big attraction with him. But yeah, I was um, I have a few writers that write for my website and a tactical analysis guy was looking at sort of stats and things like that. And um Particularly comparing Koulibaly's sort of passing to Delict. I mean, Delict's progressive passing was, I mean, we, we compared him with like five or six Chelsea centre backs that have been linked, right? So yeah, it was it was a massive thing for for Chelsea's system last season was was the ball progression and Delict's stats didn't really there were nowhere near Koulibaly's. Now I know some people will say obviously it's system or coach or whatever like that, but. That was something I, I noticed. And, and you said that Koulibaly is, is very, very good on the ball, which I agree with. He's also very two-footed, right? Because I know, mm-hmm. I, I've seen I've seen a few clips and, and games where he, just, he can ping them with left, right foot, which is obviously very, very good, isn't it? Yeah, actually, I saw I saw a video on uh, on Twitter. It was like in the, in the culture community. It was like Koulibaly has no left foot, you know, in like quotes. And then it showed him like in training, he hit a bomb. Right he hit, he hit a shot, right? Ball. It went, it went yeah. like crossbar and in. Yeah. <laughs> we probably saw the same exact clip. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's we're, what we're, I was, about. I was gonna, I was actually gonna ask you that next question. Like, is he known to have a, a have a, you know a pop shot every now and again? Because Chelsea fans absolutely loved Rudiger going forward, and Rudiger would have one long shot per game minimum, and Chelsea fans just loved it. Even if it went <laughs> over the bar, it was like some sort of like. I don't know. It was like Rudiger had to do it just to get that crowd reaction. It was funny. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, he's he's not he's not like that kind, you know. I think that whenever his goals have come, they're usually like headers. Uh, he's more of a traditional defender because he's he's. I mean, in the box, he's very hard to deal with. When you got that guy running at you, it's not easy. Uh, so he doesn't. He's not the type that gets on the score sheet that much. Uh, but I mean, for a defender, it's a, it's a pretty good amount. But no, don't expect those training videos. So what you saw just at training, no, you're not going to see that from Koulibaly, I don't think. All right, maybe Chelsea fans can turn that turn that into you know a regular <laughs> <laughs> regular occasion him shooting from long from long range because I don't know, just we just love that from Rudiger. But yeah, good to hear. So I guess the the next question, and you talking a little bit about him in the air, you know, he scored quite a few headers. A couple of fans have brought some stats up saying, can you can you quiz Marco on how good Koulibaly is in the air? Because for his height, I don't think his stats are necessarily that good. What are your thoughts? Oh, he's so hard to deal with in the air. He's so hard. He, he's like, he's got like a crazy intensity when he goes up. He's not scared to, to make himself feel felt. And he's not scared for to go for the ball. You know, I don't have his stats in front of me, but anytime I've seen him, He's so difficult to deal with on corner kicks when he's defending them, on corner kicks when he's attacking them. He's uh he really is he's a nightmare for for so many players and he's got that good aspect to his game where he can physically get into a big number nine. He could push a big number nine around, but he doesn't need to because a lot of the times that he'll beat them to the ball before they even can get it. You know, like he doesn't even need to get into those sorts of challenges. Uh, so no, I you know I always thought his aerial game was was pretty good. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I know, I know my followers like to sort of 
you know, they, they, they try and find a negative out of anything sometimes, <laughs> I think. So, yeah, I'm Listen, not sure. sometimes you gotta. I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, but um, I know a couple of some uh, YouTuber that I stream with, he's sort of brought up, oh, he's, he, he brought up like this stat sheet and he was like, Koulibaly's stats are insane, but look at his um, aerial percentage. I don't even think it's that bad. I don't, I don't know exactly off my head what it is, but he was saying for his height, it's not very good. And he was like, oh, you know, he's just being pessimistic as Chelsea fans Some are. people get so caught up in like, in like yeah. very little details. For me, I just, I watch a player play and I'm, and you know, when you're impressed, you know, when you watch a guy that's difficult to handle, he's one of those. Yeah. Lawrence, you know who you are, bro. If you're listening to this. <laughs> oh, my God, What's his yeah, name? But... Lawrence Viscoli. He's a Chelsea. Lawrence, come on, man. Come on. Watch. <laughs> watch and see. Watch and see. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely send this this um audio clip to him, but he'll probably be there listening on his, on his work shift anyway. But um, yeah, I guess the last sort of question before we ask a little bit more about yourself, Marco, is I mean, we kind of touched on this at the start, but I'm not sure if you give your opinion or not. What what do you think about the overall price then? So it's 33 million, I think, in pounds. I think 40 million euros. Not sure what that is in dollars, but what do you think? Do you think that's fair for, for one year left on his contract? So I, I will admit, all right, so you've seen I, I've been very positive. 40 mm. million, I thought, was, was a lot for a guy in the last year of his contract. I'll be okay. honest. I mean, he's a player that he's worth a lot. Like, he was always, for me, regarded as, you know, if you look at him at, like, 27 and he had a couple of years on his contract, the guy would be, you know, up there with, with the prices that are paid for the top defenders in the world, just for his quality. When I saw 31 and I saw in the last year of his contract, and I think he's getting 10 million a year, right? For, was it four or five years, something like that? Yeah, 10, 10 million net euros. I think that's 8.2 yes. million. I'm not sure exactly what that works out with taxes and stuff, but. Okay. But I did think, I think, think, think it was an expensive, you know, it's not a cheap transfer. You're not getting, you're not getting a steal. I mean, you know, it depends on which way you look at it. For a player in the last year of his contract, you might say it's expensive, but for the quality that you're getting, you might say, hey, it's actually a cheap deal. But I, I do think, you know, for a Juventus, like they wanted Juventus to over, they, Juventus would have been charged a lot more if they were trying to get Koulibaly, just because, you know, just the, the way that it works out. Um, so I, I did think the price was on the higher end. I thought he would have been cheaper for a guy in the last year of his contract. But at the end of the day, I always think price tag, then you forget about it when the guy is, is, is such a great player. You don't always remember how, how much he was, right? You remember when, when he's Romelu Lukaku and he's not doing great and you're like, oh my God, we paid 150 million with this guy. But then when, he, when the player turns out amazing, you're like, oh, how much did we even pay for him? It was such a steal. So in the end, it'll be justified by his performances. You know what? That's such a good point because I remember last summer, I was like, I saw his wages. He was on £325,000 a week, Lukaku. Jeez. And I was like, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> if he scores goals, I don't care. Yeah, He can have his exactly. money to score goals. But then you're right. When it goes the complete opposite and takes a nosedive and it, it turns out into probably one of the, if not the worst transfer in Chelsea history, um, mm -hmm. considering how he's gone out on loan back again to Inter Milan. Um, yeah, absolutely right. The performances matter. Trophies matter over the price tag. And I know actually Chelsea fans have actually been very gassed about the, the price tag. So it's interesting to hear you sort of, you think it's a little bit too high, but of course, performances matter over. I come from the, I come from the Italian mentality. In Italy, it's a, it, the prices are a little bit different. You guys in the Premier League, you have a lot more to spend. So maybe maybe that's why. That's true. That's true, actually, because I know, like, it, it just feels like every time Chelsea negotiate with an Italian club or we're, trying, yeah, to, yeah, we're yeah. trying to sell someone, they're like, you know, like, this happened with Marina, I think, quite a yeah. lot. Like, we, we tried to sell Emerson or something like that. And, and you know, they'd offer, like, 10 million, for example. Marina would be like, okay, 12.5. They'd be like, nope, yeah. bye. And it's like, yeah. what is 2.5 million? But to them, it's like, you know what I mean? It's quite a... Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. We give you guys a Premier League tax. That's uh, that's the thing <laughs> in the culture community. Everyone's always like, "Oh, a Premier League club wants to come." There's a Premier League tax because you know we'll pay it though. That's the thing. Exactly. You know, you know just clubs like Chelsea will pay it, and exactly. especially with with how Todd Bowley's been. I mean, the the Rafinha deal. He's off to Barcelona, but Todd Bowley just slapped down fifty five million. I was like, "Whoa, that's expensive." Yeah. But like, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's so but. true. If an Italian club says, if Inter says, no, we only got, you know, 20 million, that's it. They're not going above. Like, they're they're serious on that's all we have to spend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, something I've noticed a lot. So, yeah, really, really good points there um, on the whole Koulibaly situation with the performances and, and everything, the wages and the price tags. So, okay, the last question we've got 
now before we go on a little bit more about yourself I've just seen it here is you kind of touched on it a little bit a minute ago but so do you think Koulibaly has sort of stayed at the same level throughout the years or do you think he's slowly regressing with age so he's definitely had ups and, and downs I think that at at his peak was when his team the team around him was really good like again, I always I go back to that year. Um, I think it was 2000 and was it 2017, 2016? That year that Saudi almost won the league with Napoli. That was like the best version of Koulibaly I'd ever seen. But at the same time, a lot was based on the team that he had around him. He also had the best Napoli side. Napoli has been one of those up and down squads that, you know, at times has looked to challenge for the Scudetto, looked to challenge for the league title, and at others had missed out on top four or had barely got into the top four. And I think a lot has been determined on that. So I wouldn't say he's regressed, but I would say that he has been at the mercy of some of the teams and players that have been around him. And that's why, again, I already, I started this off. I'd be completely honest. I'm sad that he's leaving, but I'm also sort of, excited and, and intrigued to see what can he do at a team like Chelsea who has such great players around him and who will be challenging for titles and be challenging for the Champions League because even if he's not Italian he's a player that has like built into my heart because I've watched him for so long that I'm going to be rooting for him and I'm going to want to watch him and I'm going to be hoping that he thrives and, and he's one of those guys that goes on to achieve the things that I think he deserves to he just won the AFCON title I know it's a big deal for him to, to try to do something deep into the Champions League. And, and I hope he can be one of those guys. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. I, I think he can. I think, I think just, even if we play a back three, I know you said like he's not played there a lot, but pretty sure Senegal play that sometimes, actually, if I'm not mistaken. So, mm. yeah, I think, I think he's, he's going to be such a hit for me personally. But, yeah, we've had a lot of insight from you this episode, so I really, really appreciate it. And obviously the listeners will appreciate it as well being such a Serie A expert. Now we're going to sort of not end the episode, but we're going to sort of end the Koulibaly discussion. We're going to go a little bit more onto about yourself. I've got some, well, not quick fire, but I've got about five or six questions. Um, Hopefully you can answer them. So favorite person you've met in your career? Favorite person I've met, like player or coach wise? Uh, Yeah. Anyone player, coach. Yeah. Anyone famous, anyone. Alessandro Del Piero for me. Um, that's, that's my. Uh, <laughs> that's big. That's yeah. my. They, I, if I had one idol, if there was ever one person I ever ever idolized, it was uh, it was him. More because not just on the pitch, like as you could tell, if you if you've heard like the theme for me, like I love obviously I love football, I love the game, I love the ball being kicked, but I also watch the game because of the leadership and because of the characters and the personalities. And for me, Del Piero was uh, a gentleman off the pitch. And what he did to stay at Juventus, even when they went to Serie B, and even when Juventus had terrible teams and the team around him would not be great, he was a a captain that inspired the guys around him and didn't just get mad and throw his hands up and be like, oh, uh, these guys around me suck. It was, there's a problem. I'm part of this team. Let's figure it out together. And as as a kid that wanted to grow up and play football, he was, for me, the inspiration. Again, not just on the pitch, what he did on the ball, but mostly off of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm mostly not a Serie expert, n- nothing like it, but I kind of, I got those vibes from Francesco Totti as well. I think he's he's one of the biggest legends in Italy as well, isn't he? That sort of leader, you know, fix a problem kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, he rejected Real Madrid. I don't know how many times to stay at his beloved his beloved Roma. And when you would watch the, the beautiful thing about Totti is you never knew what he was going to do with the ball. Like mm. at any moment, you could feel like a moment of magic would happen where he'd ping one into the top corner or do an incredible assist or beat his man. Totti was one of those, those guys that really brought magic to the game. I loved him as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's just one that you know popped off in my head. Absolute legend of the game. So on to the next question, your most famous follower. My most famous follower. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, let's see. Maybe Bobo Vieri. I think Bobo Vieri has a. I think Bobo Vieri probably has the most amount of followers that follows me. Okay. I think. How he, much? I think, let me see how many he has. He's big in Italy. Obviously He's got f- three million. Damn. <laughs> yeah, That's three million. Enough. Oh, should I maybe actually Fabrizio Romano probably has more. 
Yeah, he follows me as well. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, going to say Fabrizio Romano. Yeah. Nine million. That's, that is incredible. Fabrizio Romano has more followers than, than these footballers. Yeah, that, that is, <laughs> That's that hilarious. is as well. Mm. All right, so I guess Fabrizio Romano it is. Is both of our most famous follower. Okay. Here we yeah, go. Fair enough. Um, so I've noticed you did a lot, you, well, you not did, but you probably do still. Um, a lot of commentary, don't you? You do a lot of commentary on Serie A matches. I was going to ask you your best game you've commented on. Ooh, that's a good did, question. Did, slash did pundit. Okay. 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 So this past year, I work with CBS, who has the rights for Serie A in the United States. And we actually went out to the Derby della Madonnina, which is uh, Inter against Milan. And it was Inter was winning the match 1-0 at halftime, completely dominating. Should have been up 3-0. And it was actually funny. I was I, I had predicted before the match that Milan was going to win 2-1. I got so lucky. I got completely lucky with this. Like, even Vieri was by my side, and he's like, you're crazy. His face <laughs> is hilarious when I say that Milan are going to win 2-1, just because it was absolutely dominating from Inter. And then they just crumbled. They made a couple substitutions. I think 75th minute, Milan ended up scoring two goals, winning the match, turning it around. And that ended up being like one of their pushes to win the Scudetto. And to watch that game in, in the stadium, live in front of those fans. And Giroud, uh, Giroud there we go, Chelsea boy. He was the one love who Giroud. scored, he scored the, the goals that, that won the match. And the, yeah. the atmosphere, the, the electricity. And I spoke to Giroud after the match as well. I interviewed, I did the post-match interview. And you could wow. feel how yeah. special he realized it was what he just did. So I think that was one of, one of my favorite moments, honestly. Man, I'd love to meet Giroud. That guy, such a cult hero for us. Like, yeah. coming from Arsenal, like, he, he was, honestly, him and Pedro. I think he also plays in this area now. Yeah. Um, those two, some of the best professionals I've ever seen at Chelsea. They never, ever moaned. Giroud was... I loved it. For, for me, Giroud was kind of un, unfairly treated at some times. I think he should have started way more games, but that guy was just... Oh, what a legend. Couldn't say any yeah. better things about him. So clutch as well. Like, when we won the Champions League, overhead kick, uh, I think <laughs> Madrid, sort of in the, in the neutral stadium, but that was just an incredible goal. I mean, he, he was so clutch for us, and he's still scoring a lot of goals from AC Milan, isn't he? Like, is he like 33, 34 now? <laughs> so, funny story. I actually, then I went to um, Napoli-Milan, which again was a battle for the Scudetto because Napoli was pushing for the Scudetto at that point in Naples. And again, Giroud scores the goal that wins Milan the game, 1-0, put, completely puts Napoli out of the Scudetto race. And I interviewed Giroud again post-match. And I even made a joke. I was like, yeah, the last time that I was at a match, you scored the winning goal and we did this interview. I was like, now we're here again. And we're, we made a joke. <laughs> all right, now I'm going to keep having to come to all of your matches. Uh, but now, amazing professional, clutch player is absolutely right. He scored so many foreign goals for Milan. And again, one of those silent leaders, you know, doesn't do the most of talking, doesn't need to show bow, doesn't need to do all of this and that. But in the moments, he's there, he leads his team, even if he had to sit on the bench, because at times he did have to sit on the bench, he would be the ultimate professional in pushing a lot of the younger guys to become great. And in the end, win the Scudetto with Milan, which was an incredible feat. Exactly, man. What a player. What a player. What a character. Silent leader. And yeah, you said similar things about Koulibaly because I actually, I actually thought he was going to be kind of a, maybe a shelter, but it's interesting to mm. see. You kind of think he's more of a silent leader. It's very interesting. Um, but well, you know, I think, I think at this Milan, there was, you know, obviously Ibra was a main character. Ibrahimovic, yeah. where he yeah. goes. So Giroud even like, you know, took a step back from that end. Ibra was seen as like, the person that we all look towards, right? And I mean, I think naturally anyone who gets into a locker room from with Ibrahimovic, you kind of, you know, he becomes a star. He becomes a reference point no matter what locker room he walks into, right? I'm not a fan I of think... that guy, by the way. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I understand. I know he could he could be uh he could be tough to deal with at times. But either way, naturally that's that's a way that I saw him and, and Giroud just I guess the humbleness from him in the way that he spoke about the Milan side and saying like yeah, Ibra, you know, anyone Ibra needs to play first or any of that. So for me, that became sort of the way that I would reference uh, Giroud. Not always in the spotlight, not always the one that everyone talked about because there was a lot of like question marks, doubts, concerns when they were signing him. But in the end, he proved to be so vital. 
Mm, yeah, absolutely. I, I won't let my thoughts known on Ibrahimovic. I just, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't like that type of character and player. But yeah, obviously an incredible striker. Fair play to him. Um, okay, we've got three more questions. So these are about players. So player-specific questions. A little bit of fun here. So your favourite player in Serie A in general doesn't have to be Napoli or Inter. Can it be anyone? Favourite player? Uh, Dusan Vlaovic from Juventus. Okay, yeah, I know he was, guy, he was linked to a lot of clubs, wasn't he? The yeah. guy is uh, like truly like unbelievable. Uh, actually, an incredible player that I, I see as having the probably, I mean, Leao is another one in Serie A that you could say like could become world-class and has this potential to really dominate on the European stage. But for me, Vlaovic is that guy. And he came from Fiorentina. And it's really funny, a couple of years ago when he was signed, you know, he was a young kid. My dad was actually at Fiorentina's training um, when they were in the United States. And he was like this unknown player. And my dad looked at me and he even, he said it on our, on our podcast. We, we, we actually posted a clip now that he's become so big. My dad said, and there was Federico Chiesa there. I think Gio Simeone was there. Like a lot of big names that Fiorentina had on their team. And my dad was like, I have never seen a player as good as Vlahovic at that age. He's like, his work rate, every single shot he took at training was going in. He had his head down. He said, this guy is going to become one of the best. And to see a couple of years later, you know, you watch Juventus who paid 70 million, 75 million, whatever they paid for him, all the rest of Europe who really wanted this striker, what he brings to, to the league and what he brings to games. I would wake up at six, six, you know, our first matches, our first Serie A matches here in the United States are these 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m. games. And Fiorentina would be playing like low level teams, like small teams. If they were playing and he was there, I would always watch the match because I knew he's that type of player that I knew I would watch the highlights. He would have done something incredible and I would be mad that I missed it live. And there are very few players who still do that for me. And he's one of those guys. Very, very interesting. I don't I don't know too much about Vlahovic, but yeah, good insight there. And I think for me, he's he's got that sort of Premier League striker mold. Like I think he'll be in the Premier League someday. I don't know. No, 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 no. Don't don't you, try you to steal so? Don't try to steal it from me. <laughs> Let me enjoy it for a couple of years first, man. I don't know. He's, he's just got that kind of like Diego Costa vibe, that like that sort of ruthless kind of aggression, the finishing, like the runs. I don't know. I, I feel like he might be in the Premier League someday, but <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll try. We'll try and keep him out of um, you know the Premier League so you can enjoy it for as long as <laughs> possible. And Thank also, you. I mean, he joined for such a big price, so you know, mm -hmm. if he does end up coming, someone's got to pay at least mm -hmm. like what they bought him for so yeah anyway going to England now the last two questions your favourite player in the Premier League favourite player in the Premier League uh, okay so I mean now I'm on a Chelsea podcast but I gotta be honest it's not a Chelsea player I have to be honest your favourite Chelsea player is next the question by the way <laughs> <so. laughs> my favourite Chelsea that's funny uh, okay so De Bruyne from Man City oh yeah what man I love I'm that sorry guy. but this guy, went, again, I don't know. I love players that when I watch them play, they they make me want to go get a ball and and run and play and play football, you know? And he's one of those guys. Like, the, he's such a magician on, on the ball. I love him. I love him. He's my favorite player in the Premier League. A again, another one of those players. That, if you told me, I, I guess the way that I took the question is, if there was one player I could ever steal from the Premier League and bring him to Serie A to watch mm. every single week, it would be De Bruyne. No matter what position, no matter what team he played on, I would have to watch him play. Yeah, see, for me, I kind of, I mean, I love De Bruyne with, you know, the I love the vision type players, the, the good passes and stuff like that. Obviously, he scores great goals as well. But for me personally, I, I like the kind of aesthetic players. I kind of like mm. the, the dribblers, the, you know, the like one player I really enjoy watching is Alan St. Maximum in Newcastle. Mm. I, I don't know why, like he's not the best end product wise, but he just, he excites me. Like, you mentioned like, you know, player that wants to, you know, get you get you out kicking the ball and stuff. Tricky players like that for me. I mean, my favourite player for Chelsea, uh, you can answer this after, but mine is Mateo Kovacic. I think he's, I think he's amazing. What's yours? So for years, my favourite player in Chelsea was always Kante. I love Kante. Yeah. He was, I mean, again, another one of those off the field that you just feel like he's like the greatest guy in the world and plays with like a smile on his face. And such a hustler, such a beast. I watched, you know, obviously when when Conte was your coach too, I, I used to watch Chelsea like religiously. I always watched Chelsea. Um, but I feel like, come on, I gotta say, I gotta say my I know he's not very he might not be popular with you guys right now, 
but I feel like I got to say my Italian, my my Jorginho at uh at Chelsea. He's 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 got to yeah, be the one he's, that, that he's, I know. Um, it's it's really weird with Jorginho. I think with our fan base, there's there's really two extremes. So you've got the Jorginho cult who will defend him over anyone like mm-hmm. they don't want to sign any other midfielder, um, and then you've got sort of the 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 uh, the people that say, oh, you know, he's too slow. He doesn't progress the ball fast enough he's not a premier league the um there's there's never any middle ground especially on the same thing with italy it's the same thing italians italian i've never seen i honestly i've never seen a fan base turn on a player like Jorginho. he went from being like the savior of our euros to like the absolute villain because of the penalty misses that he did with italy and any Italian, I because like you know, I was even you know, I speak to Italians all the time, Italian fans, and anytime that I say that I'm still a Jorginho fan, they are just oh my god, they lose their mind. So it's very split with him uh, as well for us. Yeah, absolutely, man. I also think he's a he's a real big leader as well, like especially in the dressing room. I mean, even on the preseason tour, you know, just makes everyone laugh, makes everyone feel a bit better about themselves. So. Yeah, I, I do like Jorginho. Um, I, I think like he could be sold eventually, like next year. Um, but you know, he's getting on a little bit now. I'd be interested to see if he negotiates a new Chelsea contract. But I would just, take him at Juventus. I would take him at yeah, a heartbeat. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of rumors for that. I'm not sure it's gonna happen this summer, but mm-hmm. next summer I think could could definitely happen. But yeah. yeah, anyway, fantastic episode, Marco. I appreciate you coming on. We've got We've got so much stuff in this episode that I'm also going to release on Twitter. And I know a few other accounts will, some quotes and things like that. So, awesome. yeah, loads of Koulibaly insight, position, leadership, skills, attributes, off the pitch, everything. We got everything, the whole Koulibaly mm-hmm. special. And mm-hmm. also we managed to fit in some Premier League and some other talk as well about different players. Todd Bowley as well. Keep signing players, man. I know you're never listening to this episode, but I'm putting it out there. Keep signing players. So, yeah, really, really good episode, Marco. Is there anywhere we can find you, sort of, for the listeners? Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, on Twitter, uh, at IFTV. Marco, I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on. You know, sometimes I like being out of my element and speaking uh, a little bit about about my past of, of, of Premier League, of things that um, I'm also passionate about with Chelsea and, and these players. Obviously, I like to stick in, in my realm and talk about what I, I, I know the best. But to have these conversations with you uh, is amazing. And, and yeah, best of luck. I'm going to be following Koulibaly a lot. I know I'm going to end up watching lots of Chelsea this season just because of him. Best of luck. Enjoy the player. Embrace him because I think the, the more you give to him, the more you're going to get out. So enjoy him. Absolutely. Fantastic way to end this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, next time, hopefully, we'll be back with a Chelsea correspondent, maybe, with the latest transfer updates, or we might do another special, depending on who we sign. I tried to get a Raheem Sterling special up, guys, but the account, unfortunately, I wanted on couldn't do it. So, yeah, anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Make sure to leave a five-star rating on Spotify if you have enjoyed this episode. And apart from that, we'll see you in the next one. Take care, everyone.